I believe you have my sound reaching your ears wherever you happen to be. Um, everyone, uh, it's Rail Matter, we're here. Uh, everyone, hopefully, has got a, a drink in hand. Hopefully, everyone's feeling very festive. It's episode 197 of Rail Matter, the tubular tale of Torxy Viaduct. Um, I assume that's how you pronounce Torxy, because I'm going to be saying the word Torxy a lot this evening. Um, hello, hello, hello. It's a Christmas, it's the first of the festive episodes. Uh, I have got my, uh, in fact, let's let's just control P. Let's, there we go, get the, get, get the, the appropriate equipment out. Um, we're here. We have sound. And uh, most importantly, uh, guten Abend. Uh, hello, hello, Martha. Hello, everyone. Um, it, it is it's episode one hundred ninety seven, um, which is uh, which means we have to give the uh, class one nine seven a shout out. Here is um, uh, Liverpool Lime Street, uh, a, uh, a t- t- trial train here running. Um, yeah, it's another CAF vehicle. Um, and uh, what's also particularly uh, frustrating is it's a, a two car. But why, 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 why are we still buying two-car trains? We anyway. Here it is. It's looking very smart. They're, they're quite good-looking trains. You know, they look smart. British trains always look a bit weird. They look wee. They look very small. I, I don't know. I've had my eyes open. British, British trains always look really. They, they do look like toy trains. Anyway, here's Liverpool South Parkway, which is interesting actually, because I was looking up some data for Liverpool South Parkway recently. Um. Anyway, what what else can we see in this photo? Well, there's a lot of um, the the camp markers here. You can see, um. Uh, which are the of the cheap, just spray on some yellow paint uh, type rather than a, the, the official plates. But anyway, yeah, they mark the, the, that's marking the, the beginning and 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 five millimeter um, cant increments through a transition. Anyway, and there's some nice old OLE. Here we have some old OLE, some nice modernization era. Um, in fact, you can see a little bit right here. Some nice modernization era um, overhead electrification as well. Lots of fun things uh, going on. Um, I'm going to just briefly go big face and say hello, hello everyone. I've got a very festive... I do have a festive jumper on. Look, festive jumper. Cause, mostly because I can't find my Santa hat. God knows where. I've, I've packed it away somewhere and I don't I don't know where that somewhere is. Is it just somewhere on a shelf behind me? No, I have no idea. Uh, I, if I was organised slash had, had time, I'd, I'd find said hat. But I'd, you're dealing with me in a jumper anyway. Just fine because it avoids me overheating too much. And I've got a very festive bottle of water here. Remain hydrated. Um, in any case, uh, uh, Owen O'Neill is asking, "Was the Torxy Viaduct part of Network North?" Uh, yeah, that's. I, I've not. I've not even put that in the news because it's so angrily insulting, and I, I, th- I might put it in next week's news or just ignore it because it made me so angry. Anyway, um, enough of that. We have do have a little bit of news to get through. Um, let us. <laughs> Let's let's, uh, let's get rid of my face again and uh, and and be ready to talk about. It. We're, well, t- tonight we are of course talking about um, the the uh, the Torxy Viaduct, and here here is a picture of it looking um, tubular. Uh, in fact, uh, it's a rather fetching image. That's a lovely long lens image showing, uh, firstly showing the curvature of the the tubular elements, which are uh, we'll get to it, but they're over on this side, and then there's some, this thing here, which um, isn't a tubular element. We'll, we'll come to that and, and why it looks so shonky and weird, and also apparently it used uses rail. It looks like some old flat bottom rail sections there. Anyway, that's that's something for the future. I digress. We're already six minutes in, and, and this one's this one. This is a weavy tale, folks. Anyway, enough of my waffling. Um, grab your drinks, snuggle up, get that blanket tucked around your toes, and uh, welcome to tonight's Rail Matter. 
the Intercity 225 fades away. Uh, that's nice, isn't it? I always enjoy a bit of snow. As the Intercity 225 fades away, um, we have to start with some news. Um, uh, and we're going to try and hammer through this as quickly as possible. I've, I've, I've not done a pre-record for next week, everyone, so I have a suspicion there's going to be another live episode. Um, uh, which, the, the negative consequence being, we may not have... Our, uh, lovely Emily join, joining us if, if, if she can't make it. I, I, I need to speak to Emily because I'm very disorganised. Um, uh, Emily, if you're out there uh, listening, um, I, I'm so sorry. I'll speak to you. I'll message you. Anyway, I digress. Right, GBR Canary snuffs it. Why, why is this the Chiron? Um, well, it's because if, if you go to the, the page that is all the government have actually published in relation to GBR, um, which was published on the 20th of May 2021, it was updated on the 14th of December 2023, um, if you click see all updates, you click see all updates, uh, you get what the update was and you get this little bit of text here that reads, if we zoom in on it, um, updated to reflect that government is no longer pursuing plans to deliver a centralised Great British Railways online rail ticket retailer. This is, you might think, not a hugely important point, but it's actually, as I point out, the canary in the coal mine. If they can't do this which is the most basic, straightforward thing to do because all the ticketing runs on one system. Most of the ticketing platforms run on the same train line back end. It's so, it would be so easy to get rid of all of those and just have one. This is, this is, just, this is just so depressing. This is, and this is absolutely indicative of what's going to happen with GBR under the current government. It isn't going to exist. They're going to keep cancelling this, delaying that, pulling back from this and that, and diminishing it to the point where it, it, it really is just 10 hot desks in Derby that are labelled GBR. Like, that that will be the grand scheme of it, and a few a few BR flags flying around here. This is this is just such an absolutely basic... And, and as we've talked, if you go back to Permanence the Permanent Way, and if you go back to, in fact, Martha is here, chatting away, telling us all the various and fun things... Um, that uh, that she's doing with the with the Network North funding. Um, uh, yeah, that's cute new underwear. Uh, putting the heating on with funds diverted from HS2 as part of Network North. Uh, uh, buying Emily a pint with funds diverted from HS2 as part of uh, Network North. Uh, yes, um, this is the... Sorry, Martha, to, to, re, to read your joke uh, out loud. It's your fault for posting it. Anyway, um, the, the, this is... As, as Martha talked about on our episode when we talked about transport integration, this is the one simple thing. You have a website that's a central website that people go to to buy their tickets. You can integrate it with bus services. And that's like, it's such an easy, straightforward thing to do. But no, no, you're absolutely, a Jarrett AO is absolutely spot on. It's that fragmentation to keep the neoliberal financialized circle spinning. This, it's just, I did, I did talk about it a few weeks ago. And, and indeed, you're exactly right, because if we read what they claim about this, update on centralised Great British Railways online tic- rail ticket retailer, let's just read it out verbatim. As set out in the white paper, we are committed to improving passenger experience on the railways. Okay, this is the but, the next paragraph is the but paragraph. Um, the private sector plays an important role in driving innovation and attracting more customers to the railway. As stated in the Bradshaw address, which was just basically the same speech that Shaps had delivered two years before or a year before, we are focused on opening up railway data and systems, lowering barriers to entry for independent rail ticket retailers to improve passenger experience. We are confirming that we are not 
confirming, as if it was always the case, confirming that we are not pursuing plans to deliver a centralized Great British Railways online rail ticket retailer. They had explicitly said they would to do that before. Train operators will continue to retail to passengers online alongside existing third-party retailers while we develop measures to spur further competition in the online rail ticket retail market to make things better for passengers. All of what they said here is not better for passengers. How is their value in having competing online ticketing websites that have all the same ticketing restrictions? It's There is no competition there. It's nonsense. It's just making it more complicated for users. Number one thing that's aggravating. Number two thing that's aggravating. Train operators will continue to retail to passengers online alongside existing third-party retailers while we develop measures to... Wait a minute. So the little hint here is, oh yeah, there are going to be multiple train operators. This is all going to be just the same as the system is now. There is going to be nothing. GBR is going to be nothing. That's the reality. That's the grim reality at this point, which does again beg the question, why is GBRTT still in existence and why are we still paying a lot of people a lot of money to work out what that nothing looks like? I'm glad they're there because hopefully they're banging government on government's door saying, no, no, it needs to be something. But the reality is this government is doesn't care what the GBRTT has to say because they didn't have anything to do with creating it. So, uh, meanwhile, what do they mean by this, I wonder? Um, the private sector plays an important role in driving innovation and attracting more customers to the railway. That's That reads f very familiar. And I, I'll just say, I know a lot of people in the Trainline team, uh, and, and there's some really good people who work for Trainline, and their website's really good. There are some fundamental problems with it in terms of refunds and, and a few a few kind of technical glitches. But generally, it's a very the interface is fantastic. It is a good website, and it, it aggravated DFT when they introduced split ticketing. However, um, it's very interesting that uh, Trainline shares rallied after the UK ministers cancelled that um, single ticketing uh, source. Interesting that and Trainline strongly, very strongly present in, in lobbying terms to, to government. Very, very uh, lots of conversations happen between DFT and, 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 and the and the bosses, the big bosses at Trainline. That's a that's a very permeable uh, relationship there. So this will absolutely there will have been conversations going on at the top level. Um uh and I dare say people who have shares in Trainline weren't very happy about it and will have and, and those who are in the, the top end of the organization won't have been very happy about it. Um despite the fact that it's transparently the right thing for the railways to have a single G British Rail branded um uh, a single British Rail branded website that does everything. It's just yeah, this is this is the canary in the coal mine and the canary has snuffed it. Anyway, let's talk about something else fun. Ah yes, A9 Julie in Scotland uh, is now up to seven point two billion, which is just way above what it was originally going to cost. Um and uh what's kind of interesting about this is for that money, bearing in mind that's money that Scottish government is this is not the Scottish government has does have financial constraints in the way that the UK government does not. Scotland does not have its own sovereign currency. Um, yes, it, can, it it still can borrow more than it you know, potentially is, but but it is much more limited in, in what it can do in terms of finances. So for it to be spending this much on, on anon dueling, it is taking money away from other, unlike in the UK where it doesn't work like that. In this case, it does work like this. So this money is taking away from other projects, such as, I don't know, dueling and electrifying the Highland Mainline is a priority now rather than waving your arms and saying it's going to happen in the distant future. They could be electrifying the steepest parts of, of uh, and running, you know, uh, bi-mode trains at now. They could be doing that right now, and they could be dueling, planning to duel the whole uh, of the Highland Mainline now, right now, 
and they're not. They're spending that money on making big piles of mud um, for an enormous dual carriageway road junctions. Um, so yes, it's a very bad idea. And all the arguments about, oh, it, it's necessary for to improve congestion. It won't improve congestion. It won't improve journey times. The dual carriageway will result in more traffic moving onto local roads, which will clog up where you join the motorway, it'll uh, the highway, it'll clog up where you leave the highway. And the road itself will become congested. It will not solve congestion. It will not improve your journey times. And it will most importantly not improve safety because the, unlike the average speed cameras, which do lock people in, the dual carriageway will result in more traffic flow, which will result in more vehicles on the local road network, which will result in more harm. Um, so, yeah, it just there is no good justification other than uh, we want you know the SNP going, uh, you know, all you folk who would otherwise vote Tory in the Highlands and Perthshire, please vote for us because we'll look, we're giving you your big road. Anyway... Um, similarly on devolved uh, transport uh, uh, kind of matters uh, interesting um, little graphic that Transport for Wales put out which I think is quite quite good actually is pointing out is TFW pointing out that um, when they took over the operation of the Wales and Border franchise they inherited 128 trains um, made up of 270 carriages and they are um kind of almost doubling the number of carriages or kind of certainly adding a sizable chunk to the number of carriages and, and going up to 173 trains. So we, I talk about frustration of only two-car trains, but generally they are increasing the size of the fleet quite substantially. And it's interesting just having that legacy of not-for-growth um, kind of laid out bare like that. It's, it's quite nice. Um, I quite like that. They're getting there, uh, as it were. Um, Martha's saying, don't, get, don't, don't start me on train lines ads that really try to deceive you into thinking their tickets are cheaper than anyone else's when they're really compete, uh, comparing advance to walk-up tickets. Yeah, absolutely. Um uh, yes, uh, Daniel Smith. I don't care too much about the one pound booking fee because it's not that much in the grand scheme of things, um, and uh, you know their their website is generally very good, but they, they, their advertising is very deceptive. It does make out as if they offer something that you can't just get elsewhere. Um, this is an interesting one from Alistair, uh, Alistair McIntosh here. Um, this is an interesting bit of numbers here, which is. Um, Three modest community wind turbines in the Isle of Lewis uh, put uh, 1.1 million pounds per year into the um, the Sandwick Trust, um, which is which is a, a little a little kind of local uh, community trust um, that was you know, put together to actually kind of erect these uh, these these turbines, um, and they'd only make 45,000 pounds if they were private. Um, so um, as Angus Hardy of the Scottish Community Alliance says, um, policy for this is how to, uh, policy for this is how to power up Scotland. Yeah, d d everyone. Um, I mean, the, the ultimate thing here is uh, just nationalise utilities without compensation. Just, you know, they, 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 they're, they all deserve nothing more than to be immediately nationalised without compensation. Um, uh, national Grid, all the electricity generators, the whole lot, just, just, just nationalise the whole lot. Um, uh, certainly water, in the absolute first instance, just without hesitation, do it to water. But, but all new energy generation should be done uh, through the state. We should be, you know, the, with these massive wind turbine kind of thing. It's like, oh, but the, where, where would that private sector investment come to build them in the first place? It's like, what, do you, what are you on about? Like, we're, we're all paying for that in spades at market rates when the government could do the same thing, borrow the, it's going to borrow the same money off itself and... and at much lower rates, therefore our rates, our electricity rates would go down. What? 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 It doesn't make any sense. Create absolute climate style in time. Yeah, just nationalise utilities without compensation. I'd like. I'd, I'm quite serious. Uh, with energy, it's a more complicated picture because of the, the, the there is a much more complicated relationship to unpick. But with water, you just do it. You just outright do it. Just kick them in the nuts. Take it off them. Um, uh, 
another little bit of interesting here. Andy Westwood here picking up um, an interesting story in the um, in the Guardian. Um, Cheshire East Council saying that it's now uh, yet another council facing bankruptcy entirely due to the HS2 link cancellation because they basically hedged their bets on this project coming, which was absolutely promised. It was a long-term strategy. It was supposed to be locked in government policy. Um, they've invested in all the stuff that, that needed to happen around the station, spent a lot of money on on, on master planning and, and, and kind, of, kind of physical stuff to, ready for the station. Um, uh, at uh, Cheshire East, I presume it's crew, actually, that's, that's done most of that work. Um, and uh, Or possibly it's around the, um, it might be around the, the well, it's Cheshire East, what will that be? It might be crew. In any case, all that money spent, and um, it, with the intention that it would then get it back from the inv- from the, the investment, you know, from the, from the from the new developments and so on, the, the additional rates they earn. Um, HS2 not arriving means all that goes in, into the into the bin, um, which means uh, they lose all that money, a huge amount of money. They're not the only council. Um, uh, the DFT response is is completely tone deaf and, and just ignorant. Um, this was obvious to non-idiots. This is a consequence that's absolutely, utterly obvious. If you paid, any, if you knew anything about HS2 and had paid any attention to the way that it was web wired into the into the local economies and, and the various plans that have been developed, cross-party plans. I, I add. What's interesting is that this Guardian article quotes a lot of conservative Cheshire's primarily conservative council, I believe. Although I think it's gone to independent. Uh, anyway, a lot of Tory councillors who are also saying we're really, really unhappy about this. Anyway, um, what else? Ah, yes, uh, Jürgen Meyer uh, here um, uh, has been uh, a former Siemens grandee, has uh, picked up a labour role uh, to develop a kind of an independent informant, as it were, but one kind of a publicly visible one, um, uh, kind of picking up uh, and developing an expert review on, um, on, on on how to deliver transport networks, rail included in, in that. Um, uh, so that's going to be interesting uh, to see. Will Will Jürgen sort of just say what Rachel Reeves wants to hear? Or uh, will he actually basically say, we had a plan. Why would we reinvent that plan? Let's do that plan. Anyway, uh, this is an interesting one and a very nice picture. Um, 99% of East West Rail Phase 2 track has been laid. Vista um, to Bletchley uh, here. What's fun about this picture is that um, my, it's my bit of HS2. Uh, although obviously someone's come in and delivered the, the detailed design since, but they, they, they wouldn't be able to change it fundamentally. Um, yeah, here's, here's, here's my bit of HS2 uh, here. Um, uh, and what's funny is how wet it is already, because the whole point of the design was I had to alter the design. And it, I, indeed, the reason East-West Rail is so high up in the air here is because I lifted up East-West Rail by three metres. So in a way, this is my alignment of east-west rail as well in fact it is my alignment of east-west rail because i gave them the vertical to, to, to sign off so um i designed both this bit of east-west rail and this bit of hs2 which is fun uh and it's all because uh the original outline design of hs2 here was um suspect <laughs> uh, never mind anyway very nice to see it. some some lovely walkable troughing down here there's the um the 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 balfour beatty machine that gave me my first job by doing such a dreadful job of installing the track around the down Cambridge flyover. Um, yeah, very nice. This is where the infrastructure maintenance facility will be. Uh, HS2 going this way. Um, all very nice. Obviously, this is this is basically where the, where, uh, the Great Central Mainline's former alignment was as well. Um, so, you know, this is, this is one of the areas where this is one of the examples of, yeah, this is what the what reopening the Great Central Mainline would look like. Anyway, very nice picture. So, enough of that. Let's get my miniaturized face in the corner. Hello. Here we are. So, let us let us talk about Torxy Viaduct. And here it is, this fine thing, this this fine structure. Um, 
this is pretty much what it would have looked like um, back in yon day, other than uh, not this bit here. So to ignore, actually, you know what? We're gonna let's change the color of the pen. I suspect we're gonna want a slightly different color. Let's go for this this orange-ish color. Uh, this bit, uh, the, the, these these bits here, uh, they're a later edition. We'll talk about those momentarily. This um, Toxivide, that's interesting. I, I stumbled upon the story. Hello, uh, I, I stumbled upon the story. Um, uh, with uh, Remy is is going. How is the embankment stable? That's super stable. It's been properly engineered, so they've they've they've, they've properly engineered the embankment to, to make it stable. I wouldn't worry about that. That's, that's that's the advantage of building new infrastructure like that is you can build it properly. Um, uh, in that case, I think they just have used the correct fill. They haven't done anything fancy. It's just a, a, a surcharged earthwork that, that they've just laid properly and, and, and compacted appropriately. Anyway, here it is, Toxic Viaduct. This is this is it. This this thing here. Um, and, and this tail, this is an interesting tail that weaves this way and that way, and covers all sorts of themes. And I think it's a fun tail. Um, I've forgotten the mouse pointer again. Uh, no, I'm just going to scribble on things. It's fine. You don't need the mouse pointer. It's fine. Um, do I want to just put the mouse pointer on in case? Maybe I will. Just, just in case, because there are some other windows that we might skip to. Okay, there we go. So we start. When do we start? We start. Well, we have to start by talking about the Sheffield and Lincolnshire Junction Railway in the late 1840s. Um, why do we have to talk about this? Well, <laughs> because uh, the the Sheffield and Lincolnshire Junction Railway um, happened to um, need to build a bridge. And But why did they need to build the bridge? Uh, for what reason? Well, we have to start by talking, actually, initially about the Sheffield, Ashton Underline and Manchester Railway, um, a railway that should be familiar to all of you as it guides um it, it takes so here's here's where's, where's me the trouble is i can't see me there, there it is right okay um taking us from uh over here in in sheffield uh to over here in in manchester via a certain thing here uh called this is this is invisible to see uh, a certain thing here called the woodhead tunnel um so this 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 railway kind of had was, was being built and um the, the they thought well actually you know what would be quite a good idea is if we if, if we actually if there's another company that's that's also developing some some uh, a new railway line uh, in the late 1840s, and um, that's the Sheffield and Lincolnshire Junction Railway that we just talked about. Well, okay, right, that's fine. So so th that's that's them. But also, actually, there's a there's a there's a much in actual fact the oldest existing railway company that already had some Dockland railways and 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 uh, plateways up in Grimsby. Um, that dock railway company was actually evolving into the Great Grimsby and Sheffield Junction Railway. And we have these. Oh, what's going on with these three? Hmm. Um, yes. Yeah, so what? Are these these three. So these three. So, so the Sheffield, uh, Ashton Underline, and, and Manchester Railway. The board uh, voted to merge with uh, the Sheffield Lincolnshire Junction Railway and the Great Grimsby and Sheffield Junction Railway to form the Manchester Sheffield and Lincolnshire Railway. You should all know the Manchester Sheffield and Lincolnshire Railway. Um, and so by the by by eighteen fifty, the, 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 this kind of the, the railways were being very much built. Uh, they were they're happening, um, and well, actually, kind of by even earlier than that, railways got built pretty quickly back then because the, uh, the Irish were everywhere, and you could just scoop them up and and point them in the direction you wanted to to, to get them building. Um, Manchester Sheffield Lincolnshire Railway <coughs> got cracking, um, and in fact, 
you should know what the Manchester Sheffield Lincolnshire Railway did because they they by by the by the kind of the the the, the late eighteen nineties uh, they they built a huge network of of different lines all over the place uh, that you can sort of see faintly here. Um, in orange on white, uh, a huge range of different lines, and indeed, by by the early 1900s, they'd they'd built a big long extension called the London Extension of the Manchester Sheffield and Lincolnshire Railway, a very catchy title for the railway. Um, down to down to that, their London that they have, and they um they decided to then rename themselves as the uh, the Great Central Railway. Hooray! It's the Great Central Railway. Um, that is indeed uh, the story that we are. So, so this is a Great Central Railway story. Um, uh, but uh, our, our protagonists here are the Manchester Sheffield Lincolnshire Railway. So we have the Great Central Railway. Let's let's just hop to. Um, in fact, let's 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 while, while I'm here, let's just go back to to, to RailMap Online. Here is the is the UK, um, and the light blue. Um, the, the the light blue uh, line here um, is all the Great Central Railway uh, infrastructure. So the Great Central Railway comes down here. And actually, it's it's it shares infrastructure here. The, the Great Western Great Central Jun- Junction Railway, or is it the Joint Railway? Um, that's kind of forms the the, the Chiltern Main Line, um, and then they ran uh, kind of the shared lines down on the on the Metropolitan uh, Railway down to get into London. So you know the, the, the shared infrastructure that really as they actually went into the centre of London. Um, but the infrastructure that was north of the Metropolitan Railway, as you see, is much smoother. It's the lovely Great Central, nice, smooth curves for the time. We've done it an episode on this, haven't we? Coming up to Leicester, through Leicester, through Nottingham, and then at that point it explodes because that's where you get to the heart of this of this net, this big complicated network um, of um, mineral delivery, primarily coal, to get down to London to, to attempt to compete with the coast, uh, the, the the stuff coming down from the northeast, uh, mostly down the coast, to be honest, of barges shipping down the coast of of, of, of eastern England. Uh, and you can see this, the, 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 suddenly the line is, you know, once you get north of Nottingham, it's much less nice again. It's much wibblier and wobblier. And there's, there's, so there's, oh, there you go, and there's there's Woodhead, of course, uh, very wibbly wobbly because it's an, an older railway and it was not built to particularly high standards, frankly, over the um, over the top of the hill. So we come down here, get to Retford. Um, we've 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 been to Retford before for a rail matter, haven't we? You can see the the BR section here where they realigned the the, the Great Central um, to actually drop the to, to get rid of the flat crossing. Uh, they could do that because the River Trent isn't next to it. Uh, we'll get to the River Trent momentarily because. Um, there's this bit here. So this is where the, the route went down um, of the of the original Sheffield uh, and Lincolnshire Junction Railway. Uh, went down to uh, Lincoln, there it is, and, and they shared the tracks with the with the GNG uh, for this part. So they had shared running uh, before they ended up building extra infrastructure kind of through in the other direction to kind of bypass that, you know, uh, fun railway competition. There's this bit here, this section here, and you can see there's Torxy. There it is. So there's Torxy. And... Um, so yeah, as you see, this this there's the junction there, the junction there, and we've got this section here, this this leg here. Um, now, there's an issue here. Well, there's the village of Torxy. Let's talk about the village of Torxy for a moment. In fact, um, uh, so the village of Torxy. What about it? Well, here it is. It's, it's just a regular ass English village. There's this. It's it's totally unremarkable. Uh, there aren't many. There's, there's not. There's not a huge amount necessarily going on. It, it had. It's. It had a, a Roman canal, a big Viking camp. Um, uh, it had. Uh, it had a big castle, which is which is fun. Uh, so that, that, and then here's this castle. The remains of the castle. It was blown to bits during the the the, the, the war of three nations, that uh, often called the English Civil War. Um, actually, what are they, what are they called the 
uh, War of Three Kingdoms, not Nation, the War of Three Kingdoms, sorry. Um, it was a very nice look, looking kind of, um, uh, kind of, what is it, like Tudor-esque-ish, is it? Yeah, it's very nice. It's, it's Tudor, and it's very pleasant-looking, and smashed a bit. And what's fun is it often floods, so this thing just sits in water. And annoyingly, you can't... It, it's one of those situations that's it's privately owned, so you can't go in and look at it, which is a shame. So obviously just ignore that and go in and... and, and um, uh, this is not legal advice. Uh, go in and just have a look yourself. Uh, there's, you know, the People should be able to just go and have a look at this thing. It's a, a monument. It's got historic value. Anyway, um, there we are. It's just got a castle. Very nice. Got blown up. Fine. Um, but that's That's... that's there's another feature here. So here's his Torxy, looking very nice. Um, here's the NLS mapping. Uh, what? What? There is an issue though. So here's Torxy. Here's Torxy. That's uh, really not very clear. Is it? you can see how how bright is the um is the line? Can everyone see the line nicely? Yeah, possibly. Torxy does it does have Viking name vibes, doesn't it? What is the? I don't even find out what the etymology of Torxy is. I'm not sure. I don't, I don't know. Uh, I can't remember my my um. I I, I would guess it it does have Viking vibes names that name doesn't it? Torxy, yeah, Dane law type, uh, yeah, Danish uh, legacy name. Anyway, see, there's an issue here, which is this thing. What is this thing? This the Trent. What is that? What is the Trent? Hmm. Uh, yes, it's this. <laughs> It's 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 an enormous river, one of the one of the big. I mean, it you know compared to Europe, it's not it's like a, it's like a stream. But for the UK, the Trent is one of the big rivers. It carries a lot of water and it's very floody, uh, hence why the, the the castle often floods. This is a problem because if you're building a railway, the things are in the way of it. <laughs> this is a problem. So what do you do about it? Well, uh, what you do about it is um, uh, you. You hire an engineer for the for what became the the, the great central, but the the engineer of the um, uh, the Manchester uh, the, 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 the Manche- Manchester Sheffield Lincolnshire. I never forget the original name of the GCR. The Manchester Sheffield Lincolnshire Railway. The original engineer was da, 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 um, later Sir John Fowler. Huh. John Fowler. Now, where's that name familiar, everyone? Hmm. I wonder. Um, Oh, I wonder. Um, well, uh, here he is, looking strange. I, I, I don't know what is. is he, uh, he's look, he looks kind of like Native American coded. Like he looks, he, he has, he's got like First Nation vibes. Good. I don't know why. It's just something that's uh, anyway. Um, just just you know, John Fowler. What what? Well, John Fowler is is famous for lots of reasons. Um, particularly for building the Metropolitan Railway uh, here, which is. Uh, relevant to the later uh the later gcr of course now here is the um the, the metropolitan railway being built uh looking very massive <laughs> very disruptive here in the in 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 the middle of um in the middle of london uh, what's quite cool is uh is is all the, the great northern coffee house uh, uh coffee was coffee was for the proles by the way it was a common thing it was only made posh and fancy by gentrification uh you know york house yeah that's fun um, uh, what's also nice is all these facades, all these facades that have, have been lost. These just kind of nice Georgian, this nice Georgian architecture that's that's been sort of subsequently lost. It's quite interesting. Also, this, what's this thing? Oh wait a minute, this looks familiar. It looks suspicious, like King's Cross. Damn it! My God, what about this thing behind it? Oh, isn't it? It's not St Pancras. Is is decidedly what it isn't. Yeah, it's it's um. That, I kind of never really clocked that. That's where this picture is. But yeah, that that is. That is what that is, isn't it? Very nice. Yes, cut and cover. Um, so anyway, right, I digress. The other thing, of course, that Fowler is famous for is uh, this thing. 
the the fourth rail bridge, the fourth bridge, the bridge, um, the finest structure that humankind has ever erected, uh, to my mind, uh, an incredible feat of of steel engineering, uh, absolutely remarkable, wonderful structure. But these are all later in his career. For now, John Fowler, I wouldn't say he's an unknown, but he is. He's an engineer who is, um, let's say, earlier in his career than than uh, than you know, he's is. Fowler. What, what what can we say about Fowler? I, I, I kind of realise I'm, I'm weaving around. So the the, the thing that um that, that you should have Fowler is is is, a, is from Sheffield, uh, kind of near to Sheffield. So he's a South Yorkshire lad. Um, he uh, was born to to a surveyor. He like I think one of the things I'm trying to try racking my brains for for Fowler facts that I can recall with reasonable ease. Um, he he started he was, he was starting on railway projects quite early on. I think he started on the London and Brighton. In fact, he definitely started on the London and Brighton because I've just brought up the thing to remind myself of exactly what he was up to. Um, and uh, and was kind of part of you know, some some other prospective railway schemes in the late 1830s. Um, he ended up being the resident engineer on the Stockton Hartlepool railway, and then was appointed as the engineer to that railway. And then um, he started his own consulting practice um, in uh, in up in up in north. Um, but uh, he was too busy, and given the given that they had to take all their drawings to Parliament at the time, it was easier to be a consulting engineer in London. What changes? Um, and so he moved down there in the in the mid eighteen forties, and um, uh, and uh, kind of at that point he uh, became the chief engineer of the Manchester Sheffield Lincolnshire Railway. Uh, along with a whole bunch of others at the same time, <laughs> bearing in mind he was only a few years by this point, you know, in the late eighteen forties, he's only a few years away from um, becoming chief engineer of the Metropolitan Railway. So, you know, this is a this is a a preeminent uh, engineer at this point. So, um, yeah, uh, yeah, Quebec. This this does have the other than Quebec, it, it does have the the second longest um, steel cantilever spans. Um, uh, yes. Anyway, so let us. Let us press on, uh, because he wasn't the only one. Um, uh, his, his, this, this is a man. So, so Fowler, in meeting the Trent, uh, he's not the only engineer we're going to talk about. Fowler, in meeting the Trent, uh, and um, uh, and a couple of the structures, but particularly the Trent, it had a large span. It was a you know a large flow, uh, relatively speaking, and so it kind of needed uh, as few spans as possible. And Fowler was interested in a new form of or a new structural form that had been pioneered by. These two, uh, who are these two? This is um, uh, well. We have George Stevenson on the on the uh, right hand side, and on the on the left hand side we have uh, a chap called uh, Sir William Fairburn. Sorry, Fairburn, the first Baronet of uh, Ardwick, uh, who's a Scottish structural civil engineer, um, uh, and uh, he was the third president of the Institution of Mechanical Engineers after uh, Messrs George and and Robert Stevenson. Um, now these two were actually this isn't George. Sorry, this is his son. This is Robert. I've, I've, do forgive me. Sorry, sorry, Robert. They are. Um, these two have been developing a, a kind of a novel bridge design for uh, the um, the main line all, all along through North Wales. Um, so what are we to say about this main line through North Wales? These two structures here. Um, one of them was the, is the Conway Bridge. Conway there is there with a load of nice formwork as well as they develop the station, which is quite cool. Uh, you can see them kind of uh, preparing to hoist it into place, which is quite fun. And then the other one, which is this one, by the way, listed, protected, uh, still there. You can travel your train through it. Um, sadly, this one, the the Britannia Bridge over the Menai Strait, no longer uh, extant because it, it, it 
somehow burned down, which is really weird. But I, I like this one because it's got a picture of the train on it as well, looking particularly vibesy. Anyway, what of these two bridges? Well, they have a particular form. And the form they have is that they are tubular bridges. Uh, let's sketch. Let us sketch. So, uh, yes, Conwy. There's, there's Conwy. Uh, Conwy. And uh, here's Britannia. Uh, which we're going to call, actually, uh, we're going to call it the uh, Menai. Menai. Uh, it's my face in front of that, probably. Menai Strait uh, Bridge. There we are. Then I straight anyway. Um, so these two bridges, they have as you can see, you can kind of see it here. Basically, they have a section that looks like this. A section that's like this. It's got kind of a, a thicker bit at the bottom and a thicker bit at the top. And essentially, you can put your tracks in here and have your have your little train uh, running through here like this, uh, kind of coming through like that. And uh, and there you go. So you know you have it in a box like this. Um, fine. And the the train uh, runs through and and lovely job. Uh, there's the train. Um, so, the, yes, a very nice wooden sailing ship going underneath as well over here. That, that's true. That's, that's that's very nice as well. So, so we have this tubular this tubular structure, and essentially it's just it's kind of like an I beam. So, so what an I beam does is is that there's an I beam. Uh, Justin, shout at me for not for, for saying this isn't an I beam, but in, in in certainly when I was taught as an engineer in the UK, we we call this an I beam. Um, you have two things called uh, you have two things called flanges, and you have another thing called a web, and the web holds those two together but doesn't need to be very it doesn't really do any of the strongness when you have a thing because if you've got a beam let's look at this inside on as we talked about when we did the bridge collapse episode you you have the beam the beam bends uh, there we are there's the beam bending and it's the top fibers and the bottom fibers that are the ones that are in compression and tension so they're the ones that have to be chunky there we are chunky in order to survive as a as a as a as a beam, which is essentially what this thing is, and so that's why you have these these sort of thickened sections here, and then the, in order to keep that thing robust, you have the nice thin walls either side. Is it a novel design? Um, yeah, quite interesting. It avoids you having the complexity of uh, of, of steelwork that you get with with having that you know that you might have the alternative thing you can do is is kind of have a, a truss that that kind of does you know distributes those loads in a different way. Anyway. Uh, yeah, burning rags can melt iron beams. That's correct. Yes, um, uh, don't don't worry about the, the the what went wrong. What's fun is that there's actually a piece of this burned up bridge in the uh, in the National Railway Museum. I should have got a picture of it, shouldn't I? Uh, you can all look that up now. I'm sure. Anyway, right. Let's clear all that scribbles. So those are tubular bridges, uh, and this led Fowler to develop a, a a novel idea, which was to develop a a kind of pursue that design from a tubular bridge to a box girder bridge which is was you know, these days you you have a variety of little box girder bridges here so here's a here's a metal or a steel box girder bridge here's a concrete box girder bridge so again it's basically it's the same principles as the tubular um bridge except that you you, you take that the, the tube and you shove it underneath the the thing that you're moving moving around and, and here's a here's like a composite uh tubular bridge uh, sorry composite box girder bridge so steel box girder concrete box girder and here's a nice composite and to be honest the, the majority the majority of them are, are actually i don't know if the majority are composite but often you'll it's quite common to have composite ones uh you know uh, it's quite common for box girders to be combined with uh cable stayed structures for for long spans so for example um uh <laughs> sorry martha's 
deliberately trying to catch me uh, and send me off and i'm remaining uh, resolutely professional um uh yes the, the martha's right the problem with the truss is that it messes up your bathrobes it, it's it's very true um yeah so you can see that the, the kind of the way that these distribute loads so there's a there's a, a bottom th flange and top flange and uh that takes all of the you know the, this this distance here um it, the, you know the deeper that the deeper that section the more span you can get so you know as 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 this dis if, if we've got our span here uh on on top of which we've got you know our, whatever our load is as this uh, increases uh this span can also increase because it, it can cope with uh you know greater bending um it has what's known as as the second moment of area increases it can cope with uh more more bending without without failing all good stuff anyway there we are some box uh some box girder bridges now what's great is that fowler was like you know what i'm going to apply this to the bridge the viaduct at, at torxy and he did and indeed on the uh, on the left hand side here you can see one of those um one of those box girders it, it's it's slightly different use slightly differently so rather than having um uh, actually you know what would have been good is for me to uh, add a blank black slide here to um let's do just that and then let me just do it let me just do this right so rather than let's, let's just get a bit of a, a bit of black black slide here going on rather than having so we've gone from uh, the the this sort of section here for the tubular we've gone from this uh to um uh well rather than having so so if you imagine the future we've got a section that's like this and it's kind of like this and this and then and then you end up with with kind of a section here and a section here and that's uh, you know that's how you, you your your motor car uh is is uh, that's the car but going that cars don't look like that uh, fine whatever you, you know what's going on fine whatever uh you've got this thing here well what what uh, what Fowler proposed is actually to put the box kind of like this and then another one on the other side like this and so you'd actually have two small boxes like this that you'd then be able to to, to sort of put your put your kind of deck beams uh, across so so you end up with your thick sections here that take all the load uh, two of them kind of like this one's here and this one's here uh, this is this in theory more efficient um and you know likewise you've got your thick section here and your and your thick section here fine um this is the this is kind of what what um what was what we ended up getting here and you can see that there's this nice this and you can actually see them bending in the in the middle which is kind of interesting so there's the um uh, they've got this slightly bent shape uh which is a kind of bow a slight bowing here to uh, I dare say it was built like that to count, to slightly counteract the the, the load as trains went over. Anyway, you can see that the you've got these box girders there, uh, and you can see the, the picture of the, the the box girders here, um, and then you have you probably just had some way beams. I dare say, looking at the shape of the thing, you'd have some way beams that would be laid onto the onto the the kind of the transverse beams. And and hey presto, you have a um, uh, arch principle at work within the box. No, I wouldn't call it arch principle. It's 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 a bending moment that there is a relationship between arch principle and, and, and bending. But basically if you have, let's, let's clear this off. So you have, um, a, uh, say you've got a simply supported beam here, right? So you've got a nice, simply supported beam. Uh, oh God, let's, let's, let's try that again. Uh, da, 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 da. And, uh, there we go uh, there's a nice simply supported beam reasonably badly drawn um so if you have a say you have a load like this uh, and it's going to go across the bridge here. so this is our load 
as I load uh, here. We're going to go across the bridge. By the so here, you can see that there is um, there's decent resistance to the there's there's there's, there's no bending because the, the it's it's right on top of the of the, of the support. As you kind of go further along. Um, as you go along here, you can see that there is um, that the amount of bending that this 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 kind of import a kind of a bending moment, and as you go further up, basically as you go further across, you end up with a, an increasing amount of, of load that kind of ends up looking like this, and then you get towards the other end, and the and the load is distributed uh, away because it's getting close to the other um, the other support at the other end, and so you end up with with a kind of a bending moment, what, what we call a bending moment diagram that kind of looks like this, um, in terms of the so, so the most bending happens in the middle. So, it, the, the which makes sense, right? If you sit your load here, um, not only is it cause it, it's going to be do the thing that causes the it's going to cause your beam to bend the most, right? I mean, obviously I'm exaggerating, but it's going to cause the bridge to bend to, to bend the most, and that's so that's that's how you get your bending moment diagram. Um, and quite often you'll see um, you'll see some structures, you'll see some old railway structures that have. Yeah, that might have like um, girders either side. So this, again, this is this is with the supports either side, and you might see that they've got reinforcing plates, kind of that do this uh, in the middle because the, the, the they're overstressing in the middle of the, um, particularly on the top. You'll see this to increases compressive strength on the top flange of the of, of of whatever the girder happens to be. You'll see these plates that have been kind of wrought iron plates that have been riveted onto the the bridge to to kind of cope with the fact that it's 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 failing. So um, it's it, indeed that it's this is this is um, this is some some nice structural engineering behavior of uh, behavioral of, of, of structures, you know, behavior and design of structures, which I never did very well at, at, at university. I'm going to be quite honest with you, but you know, I've I've got a, more than cursory knowledge that that'll do right. Anyway, so there's a nice structure. There's our bridge. Um, we have to talk about enter a uh, a new a, a new antagonist however so we have this bridge it's been built what of it well we have to talk about the lords of the committee of the privy council appointed for the consideration of all matters relating to trade and foreign plantations as it is still officially called today we live in a stupid country uh, no this is actually uh, the the shortened name for this is the board of trade it's the same it's the same body it's still got that stupid long name Quite remarkable. Um, right, so, sorry, uh, text from my grandfather. Anyway, border trade. Why do we have to talk about the border trade? Well, because the border trade uh, is the body that appointed, um, uh, the, the board of trade is the body that appointed uh, inspectors to Her Majesty's Railway Inspectorate, as it still was then. And this was the body at the time that had the responsibility for saying, yes, you can open your railway. No, you cannot open your railway. Um, so, this is important, folks. Now, why is this important? Well, because we've got our bit of the um, of the Manchester, Lincolnshire, and Sheffield. No, Manchester, Sheffield, Lincolnshire railway. I nearly got there. Uh, we've got our bit of that uh, that railway built now. But can it open? Um, hmm. So it's 19, 1849. Hmm. In fact, let us. So in fact, eighteen forty. Here is the here is the law that uh, printed on the king's paper or whatever it is. Here's the law that that created the um there it is whereas it is expedient for the safety of the public to provide for the due supervision of railways this is 1840 be it therefore enacted by the queen's most excellent majesty by and with the advice of the consent of the lords spiritual and temporal and commons in this present parliament assembled and by the authority of the same that after two months from the passing of this act no railway or portion of any railway shall be open for the public conveyance of passengers or goods until 
one calendar month after notice in writing of the intention of opening, the same shall have been given by the company to whom... So, basically, it's saying, uh, here we are, um, the same shall have been given, the return of that, by the company to whom such railway shall belong, to the Lords of the Committee of Her Majesty's Privy Council appointed for trade and foreign plantations, the Board of Trade. Um, and this act created HMRI, as it still exists today. Um, actually, it doesn't exist today. They don't They don't exist. They got absorbed into the Railway Safety Directorate in the RR, um, and so they don't exist today. But there is still a, 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 a His Majesty's Inspector, who at the moment is still in Prosser, I believe. Anyway, um, enter a character. We have to talk about Sir Charles Pasley. Sir Charles Pasley um, is the... Um, so, so right for clarity, the um, and, until as as recently as the nineteen sixties, HMRI's um, inspecting officers were recruited from the Corps of Royal Engineers. So there is a, already a close relationship between the military and the railways, which for all sorts of other reasons. But this is an, yet another link. Um, and um, so in uh, yeah, so in eighteen forty six, this chap who was Her Majesty's Inspector of Railways. Happened to be, um, well, he happened to be, yeah, let's, let's go to June 1846. So he uh, passed for opening um, a section of the North British Railway between, uh, kind of between Edinburgh and Berwick. Um, and um, unfortunately, uh, jump forward to September 1846. Well, uh, let me read uh, from the, uh, the York Herald in 1846. Let's just read from the York Herald, shall we? Short as the time is since this line was opened to the public, it is now closed. Three of the bridges have been washed away, one at Linton and two others between that place and Dunbar. The cause appears to have been the late heavy rains, and it is thought that the contractors will have to restore the bridges at their own expense. There were no deaths, and passengers are now transmitted by the joint aid of rails and coaches, the latter of which, along with horses, have been forwarded from Edinburgh. Uh, yeah, that's the uh, that's the rail replacement coach there, everyone, um, making an appearance as early as 1846. Um, yeah, so um, our, our, our pal, <laughs> our pal Major General Charles Pasley um, uh, had come under some, uh, he came under some heavy criticism. Uh, this chap here, Charles Pasley, came under some heavy criticism for um, for the judgment that he made that the that the railway was safe to open. Um, Nineteen miles of track were wrecked, um, including the, the kind of several bridges. Um, and uh, further to this, to add insult to injury, some temporary works were undertaken uh, to restore a service, um, and uh, Pasley orally approved those as well. And then that also proved to be faulty, further delaying the opening of the line. Um, by November, um, Pasley had been sacked. Uh, he was off the case, and indeed, at that point, there was a there, there's a reorganisation of the inspectorate, which got rid of the post of inspector general, um, uh, and uh, essentially kind of split the, that role between multiple inspectors uh, at that point. So, um, goodbye. Enter his replacement, uh, essentially. Um, uh, or kind of one of the railway inspectors. So this this was spread around. One of the railway inspectors, Sir Lintorn Simmons. That, that's correct, Lintorn Simmons. Uh, what a flavour of guy. Uh, you can see with quite a remarkable moustache. Um, and indeed his caricature, his moustache is uh, equally uh, spectacular. So let us jump forwards to 1849. We have our uh, bridge without the girder in the middle. That's, that's a late tradition, which we'll talk about momentarily. We have our bridge. Um, and... Uh, 
what does uh, what does Simmons do? Bearing in mind the context of uh, everyone's a bit jumpy at uh, HMRI because they 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 screwed up real bad uh, for the North British Railway and pissed everyone off. Um, so uh, this novel design of structure, what does uh, what does Simmons do? He rejects it. He rejects the structure, stopping the railway from being able to open. Um, so we have. Uh, this, 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 this did not make um, this did not make people very happy at all. Uh, indeed, the Institution of Civil Engineers had things to say about this. The Institution of Civil Engineers, uh, what did they have to say? The subject has been discussed in the Institution of Civil Engineers, and every eminent engineer was of the opinion that the government inspector was clearly wrong. Yeah, pretty uncertain terms for the IC. I wish they were that bold about anything these days. Uh, in fact, they are not. They are softest sheep uh, nowadays anyway so we had a battle on our hands um fowler v simmons these two at each other's throats um yes we have we have a challenge uh, on our hands because fowler as the consulting engineer as the practicing engineer there's the chief engineer of the railway has the competence simmons does not however simmons has the power he may not have the competence, but he has the power. And Simmons continues to say no. And there's a bit of back and forth between these two, and it takes a little bit of a while. Eventually, uh, things swap around. We see a reversal. Um, basically, there's <laughs> Fowler and the railway threaten a call for a parliamentary inquiry because they built their bridge and they want to open their damn railway. Um, at this point, under the threat of a parliamentary inquiry that might take power away from HMRI and indeed the Board of Trade, um, well, let's have a read of what the um, of what the the Board of Trade had to say. Um, here we go. So, the duty of an inspecting officer, so far as regards design, is to see that this construction is not such as to transgress those rules and precautions which practice and experience have proved to be necessary for safety. If they were to go beyond this, or if they were to make themselves responsible for every novel design, and if they were to attempt to introduce new rules and practices not accepted by the profession, they would be removing from the civil engineer and taking upon themselves a responsibility not committed to them by Parliament. Um, yeah, so that was in 1849. So, um, uh, well, uh, not much later in 1849, to be honest. They, they, they decided to change their mind and say, oh, no, you're, you're right. Yeah, yeah, that's right. You can, you can open your bridge. Um <laughs> On you go, which is uh, which was useful, of course, for Fowler because he went on to do great things. It was uh, useful for the the what would become the Great Central because they got their railway, the the, the Manchester Sheffield and it's the, the Manchester Sheffield and Lincolnshire Railway. I c cannot get that railway's name in my head. Quite a mouthful. The Manchester Sheffield and Lincolnshire Railway can open their railway and get things going. Um, the Board of Trade stepped out of the way. And uh, the railway got opened. But um, what what happened to Simmons, you might wonder? Uh, well, he ended up uh, off fighting in Crimea with the Turks and ended up leading the Turks in multiple battles. Uh, and pff, there's a lines led by donkeys about this that I would strongly recommend you go and listen to because um, that's another strain of history that we could go on about for a while. Anyway, Simmons is out of the way. The Manchester, Sheffield, Lincolnshire got their viaduct. They got their lovely viaduct, uh, Torxy viaduct. Here it is, uh, mapped out at the, at the turn of the at the turn of the century. Uh, here's Torxy. Here's our castle. So we want the layout. There's the castle. Very nicely drawn, by the way. It's a really nicely drawn bit of castle there. They've really gone to town on it. Um, Torxy viaduct here. There is looking nice. Um, uh, you know, accounting for the the, the past. Actually, what's interesting is that the the river is a, 
kind of a slightly different if we hop back actually let's just hop back yeah okay so you've got you've got the river partly under there fully under there then and then there's this this kind of additional span here so you've got the rejected thing again there we are oh, it's kind of similar uh to the, the layout today oh let's shift actually the, the river channels have shifted slightly I, I was kind of wondering why it was um why the viaduct was the shape it, the, the width it was but it's because the river has slightly changed its changed its path um there is a little more to say about this though um because box girder bridges were not in the clear and if we jump to uh, 1970, some you know some 120 years after Simmons's uh, curiosity about the, the design, um, this happened. <laughs> the Clevi Bridge, uh, a, a large bridge making its way uh, through South Wales to to get to in, into Pembrokeshire. Actually, it's in Pembrokeshire, getting across to Fishguard, isn't it? Um, you can find the the Clevi Bridge. Uh, uh, you can you can find loads of pictures of, of the collapse, and it's it's uh, let's just say it's it's messy is how I would describe it. There's there's loads of really really good and grotesque civil engineering collapse gore um, that you can see. This and, and it resulted in four people being killed, uh, four construction workers I believe being killed in, at, at this collapse. Uh, it was not good. It was not a good day for structural engineers. Let's put it that way. Um, what happened? Uh, oh, also, I, I just want another picture to. I mean, there's a variety of things I can explain. Like, firstly, you can see, you can sort of see what's going on here. There's been a, the the the, the actually, you know, should we drag our let's, let's let's drag our blank slide through so we can describe what's happened here. Let's just drag this down here. Yeah, there we go. Um, so let's uh, get rid of this. So you have your you have your big pier here like this, um, and you've got a uh, you've got the big box here that's being pushed out across uh, and it's being pushed uh it's being pushed this way uh, and there's like a temporary works thing here that's kind of supporting it i think basically uh there i'm not going to say who designed this by the way uh, it definitely isn't my former employer um i mean it's a long time ago in fact it was when they were called freeman fox well before they ended up being called hyder or arcadis anyway had a temporary thing here this uh went but also uh there was aided by the fact that I can't exactly remember actually the sequence, but essentially there was a buckle failure here, and the thing. So this, so so this basically buckled in, uh, in in rotational failure, and you can see from the picture, you can see really clearly this thing is this thing is, is buckled horribly and has folded over. I think the most stark picture is um, this f snap from a video gives an idea of the scale because I don't think you can quite get the scale from these pictures. Um, this gives an idea of the scale. Look at the size of this thing. These are huge. Um, an absolutely huge bridge that has has collapsed uh, and nearly wiped out several houses in a terrace. It's quite something. This wasn't the last, though. However, because um, there were two other failures, uh, we had two other failures. One in Australia, uh, which was the um, if I don't remind myself the other. Da -da 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 -da. Uh, but let me hop forwards. I need to remind myself the other names of the strap. Wait a minute. Let's go for. I'm I'm googling it as we go because I'm doing this without. I I don't do rail natters with notes. This was uh, is the the uh, the key fun. There we go. Yes, this is the uh, this is the Westgate Bridge uh, here. Uh, Westgate Westgate. I should do. Uh, dative rather I should do I should do kind of cursive shouldn't I uh, and this is the um, this is the Koblenz bridge in, in uh, uh, Ostdeutschland um, and uh, as you can see uh, 
bad things have happened. We've had a failure of a very similar type uh, in Australia and in Germany. In fact, the one in Germany is really, you can see that this is a fully steel uh, box girder and it's just, it's, it's again, you can see the crumple. It's just gone. It's gone. Not good. Not good at all. Um, and this caused some pause because it's not good to have bridges regularly collapsing. And there was a, there's a UK, there are other, other um, uh, kind of inquiries, of course, but in the UK there was a particular inquiry, um, the Merrison Committee of Inquiry into the Design and Erection of Steelbox Girder Bridges, snappily titled, and it published a report. It published a report in 1973, uh, inquiring into the basic design and method of erection of steelbox girder bridges. This report is, uh, the, the Merrison Committee report is revel really quite remarkable, changed you know, changed, improved, massively improved the safety and understanding of these structures and the, the way that they were erected. Um, the the outcome of this led eventually to the CDM regulations as well, among, amongst other things, uh, because it pointed out that um, the relationship between the contractor, the designer and the client was was, was, was lax at best. Um, so you had this nice report that, uh, that kind of laid out the problems and, and suggested uh, alterations. And indeed now, uh, here's possibly my favorite example of box girder bridge the uh, the absolutely delicious Kaliski bridge in um in in f the far northwest of scotland uh, absolutely stunning structure um this is a uh, box girders are ubiquitous they're everywhere um absolutely everywhere they're, they're uh, and they're, they're very straightforward very uh kind of pleasing clean lined type structures they're very nice um uh, you know indeed here is hs2 with what are box girders these are these are box girders um you can see here you can see the kind of the cross section over here is the things being launched um out across the uh, in fact you know the, all the segments being brought in and it being assembled um in that way yes box girder bridge very nice um now back to torxy because jump forwards to um 1897 and this bridge is carrying heavier and heavy trains as many were and uh it needed reinforcement, and so what? What? What happened to the bridge? Um, well, it had uh, kind of basically it had a, a big standard bloody truss. Liz truss came along and plonked herself in the middle of the bridge. Um, uh, here it is. You can see that this girder. The things I was highlighting earlier in the aerial shot, they were added later. And in fact, you can see um, that this is a. A, a fairly quick and dirty um, reinforcement because they've just essentially plonked this big girder on the top of the middle of the of the of the, of the bridge, uh, making all the gauging a lot more fiddly, I dare say. But anyway, um, and they've then just got these sort of solid steel or solid, certainly solid raw iron hangers to just support. So each of these goes in and will have a, a, a kind of a plate either end to just basically support the the the. The uh, the transverse beams throughout because originally these these beams went right the way through between between each sides. Now they've got um, now they're being supported. So essentially, it's just adding to the capacity of the structure. So there you go. That's the that was how they reinforced uh, the the torsi viaduct. Um, so we jump from the end of the century. So we're now in 1897. We jump from the end of the century to um, to the middle of the 20th century. Uh, here's our nice jumping jump through with the mapping. We go from hand drawn to uh, to I think basically as hand. I think slightly better printing there. It's nice, isn't it? Two forms of essentially the same quality uh, mapping. Slight geolocation issues actually. This is the same level of zoom, so it's not perfect. Anyway, I digress. You see, not much has changed. What is there any any change? There's there's a there's a new what is there? There's a, there's a new there's a new building here. 
don't know what that is. It might possibly level crossing. I know it's just a new property. There's um, what is there? There's this this slightly more building being built at Torsey Grange. There's a new clubhouse that's been built here. We have to talk about British Railways though, because um, times were tight at British Railways. And um, well, let's let's looking at this picture again, sort of seeing that this is this is basically the condition that the bridge was in. Okay, with with waybeams and and trains on it. Um, in the in the kind of the the late fifties, so you know, one hundred and ten years after it was built, fifty years after it was um, actually more than sixty years after it was reinforced, um, it's tired. It's a tired um, tired bridge, and the reality is there there are alternatives um, for this bit of railway. So if we jump back to our to, to rail map online, on the second of November nineteen fifty nine, this Viaduct here. Um, this bit of railway gets closed. They close it because and divert all the trains up via Gainsborough because you can um, for not too much of a hit. They get rid of that nice direct line, save a bit of, of money. I, I can understand why you would do that. Um, and it, it, it means Torxy carries trains no more. Or does it? Because, as we look here, um, here's a nice zoomed out view of, of this Torxy Viaduct there still. Um, all sorts of fun stuff going on. You've got the, uh, there's the Roman, the Roman sort of stuff, the, the canal type situation. There's, they found some coins. It's quite fun. Um, and actually, you know what was quite, was quite good? If we go in, if we, uh, if we go in here and do, uh, I've kind of shot me fox there. Let's zoom in a bit on this. And what's, what's going on? So you've got the canal. You've got the Roman pavement and coins found in 1878, which is 96 and 97. Okay, interesting. Uh, there's, there's Jack's Ferry, of course, down there. That's a funny old country, isn't it? It's funny to have such high-quality mapping because you get such an insight into the weird, the weird goings-on of our funny little uh, islands. Um, anyway, I digress, don't I? So we go from uh, here. If we just go to the aerial view, though, uh, of, of the modern day... Well, you can see where the railway went. Lovely. But you'll see something else is going on here. What the bloody hell is this? And, and also this. What is that? What's going on? And also, what's going on here? And also this bit here. What's, what's all that, then? Well, everyone, we obviously have to talk about Megawatt Valley. <laughs> um, Megawatt Valley, yes. Uh... What is Megawatt Valley? Here is a picture of Megawatt Valley uh, showing several power stations. Megawatt Valley is... Well, Megawatt Valley is, let's say, um, a part... Of, I'll tell you what, let's just put the bloody map up. Trent, the Trent, the Lower Trent Valley is ended up getting called Megawatt Valley. Um, and there are, there's, there's, what, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen generating stations um along the the there what's interesting is that it's not that far from the air valley either which has you know drax Egbert ferry bridge which i consider to be the gateway to the north uh, everything south of there is the south if you draw a, 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 a best fit line between those three this is the south south and this is the north north that's how you know what the north and the south is is the line the best fit line between uh, ferry bridge Egbert, and drax anyway i digress um this is the this is the Trent, and uh, if, if we get rid of all these scribbles, there's a there's a, there's one of the power stations here on the Trent, Cotton, um, happens to be on the other side of the river from Torxey. 
Hmm. Yeah, what, uh, what, 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 what do you know about this? Well, firstly, we need to, we need to just say, Megawatt Valley, there's some interesting little little facts about Megawatt Valley that I want to, to kind of point out while we're here. Uh, one of them is that this had, um, for, for this, all this lot, all of these, these lot, where's my, my bedoodle, what's it? Where, where, there we go, okay, right, good. Um, all this lot generated a quarter of the power for the entire UK um, at its peak. Uh, it was generating like tens of. It was de generating gigawatts of of no, not not gigawatts. It was generating tens of megawatts of of energy. This is this is. I mean, it was generating gigawatts. It was generating tens of gigawatts of um, of electricity for the country. Uh, just just a very impressive uh, amount of generating generating capacity. The, the sufficient the water coming out of the power stations, uh, despite having been cooled, was warm enough to raise the temperature of the Trent. Uh, above the average for all the other rivers around it, which is definitely fine for the environment. I'm sure that had no long-term effects on the biosphere whatsoever. I'm sure, it was absolutely fine. Uh, no one was destroyed by that. Anyway, um, cotton. We must talk more about cotton power station because um, in 1967, the railway was reopened from the junction up here. Uh, what is that junction? Does, nerds, what's the junction called? Uh, it's uh, I think is it Clarborough Junction? Is that Clarborough? That's, there's only one way to find out, and that is to go back to our georeference map and go this way. What's, what is that? There's cotton, by the way. There's cotton, yeah, innocent-looking cotton. Let's go this way. Going this way. Here we go. Clarborough Junction. There we go. Marvelous. Clarborough Junction. Lovely. Clarborough Junction in 1967 because Cotton Power Station was built here. There it is. Cotton power, let's just cancel this. Cotton power station was built here, and it was serviced by a bit of railway connected up to Clarborough Junction. Here's the bit of railway. Sadly, however, it didn't require Torxy Viaduct, so Torxy Viaduct remained train-free. Nevertheless, it was a bit of respite for this branch line, which is still functioning at, well, it's not it's not functioning, but it's still maintained, looked after uh, as, as a railway to this day, um, despite not actually serving anything, because cotton... Uh, is is closed. Uh, here is look. There's, there's a picture of uh, of some merry-go-round uh, trains carrying a lot of coal um, in and out, uh, which is interesting because you know that the the Great Central was built you know, as as it was. The Manchester, uh, Sheffield, Lincolnshire railway was very much built to move coal around, and, and and that was the thing it was doing right up until its its demise. With a load of shield and hoppers here, and um, bring in uh, electrically uh, hauled by an electrically controlled fifty six or something probably. Oh, not a fifty six. Electrically controlled forty seven. Um, uh, or whatever it is, uh, going at perfectly slow speed, dropping the coal to get mashed up into dust and then pushed into the power station, generating lots of electricity in a, an impressively efficient and hugely environmentally damaging process that creates far more toxic waste than nuclear power ever will. Um, anyway, that's for the future. We have to talk about Sustrans because we have a bridge with nothing on it. We have a bridge, lonely, sat, collecting dust, ready to fall into the river, what can we do about said bridge? Well, what is there to do? Uh, well, I'll tell you what there is to do. It's to get Sustrans to go, oh, by the way, can you, uh, can you, can you reopen it and run uh, and, and let people go across it, please? And you know what? Sure enough, yeah, you can. Uh, in fact, you know what? I'm going to get open street map up because we, let's see. There's a, there's a slightly depressing, like, okay, let's get the cycle map going. Let's zoom out and then zoom back in on, on where let's get down to Lincoln. And let's find our way across too. Uh, there's Redford. There's there we go. There we go. Lovely, uh, marvelous. 
Cotton and Torxy. Yeah. Um, okay, so Sustrans had, had, had things to say. Let's just put this here because... So we, let's just zoom out and look at our railway map. You can see here's, here's Lincoln. Um, and there's, there's, there's a, a nice cycle path going out a bit before just getting dumping you out on a, on a busy road and then not doing very much after that. Well, it would be nice as if they connected that up to completely disconnected. But there are paths now, so you can now walk across the bridge because in April 2016, they only went and opened the damn bridge back up and tied it up. Look how nice and smart it looks. Uh, they opened one side of the deck up so you can cruise across and have a walk around. Uh, and indeed, I'd kind of half... Uh, half planned, uh, yeah, 58's at the end, Cotton, thanks to this. Uh, I kind of half planned to go and film a bit of this uh, there, but then I realised that was a ridiculous idea um, for what would have just been a, like a short bit. Uh, but I just encourage you all to go and enjoy it, because it's, it's a nice long viaduct, it's a very pleasant bit of, a bit of walkway, it's nicely maintained. And here it's being opened with a load of happy people, some Sustrans volunteers, um, some people very happy to, to go out and walk along the along the bridge and enjoy it. It's just looking very, very nice and tidy, and enjoy the structure. Um, and there it is. There's Torxy Viaduct with Cotton there in the background as well. Um, a weaving, winding tale um, telling you uh, there's quite a lot of stuff in there for you to enjoy, but uh, hopefully an interesting little little tale, the tubular tale of Torxy Viaduct there uh, for all of you to enjoy. Um, going into many facts, many characters, some boffing, some boffins, all, all, the, all the good stuff. Anyway. <laughs> oh. What do you think of that? Was that all right? It's a bit of a bit of a, a Christmas tale. I, I, I should have got Lana's jingle bells to shake around, except she'd have heard them. So obviously I can't do that. But um, yeah, uh, have a nice have a nice break, everyone. Have a nice have a nice Christmas. <laughs> no, uh, we're not we're not finished yet. Um, yeah, Martha Lawrence saying Sustrans range from extremely based when they want cycle paths on railways that aren't going to reopen uh, to extremely reactionary when they want cycle paths on railways that could in fact reopen. Yes, um, such is life. Anyway, right, we, we must we must press on. Um, because, oh, also, do, do send over your questions. Um, uh, here, yeah, as we found out, Andy Ash pointing out that South, as we found out, is south of Clapham Junction, according to um, uh, this government. Yeah, that's a, that's a fair point. Um, I was intending, the thing is, yeah, for people wondering how I was going to get there, I was going to take my take the train down to Retford and just cycle. It's probably about a half-hour cycle from Retford, um, which would be quite nice. Uh, a bit of a dog, a bit, bit weavy. There's no direct line, despite the railway existing, or mostly existing. Uh, to be fair, the railway exists and it has a train on it. Um, but um, yes, a little primer on box girder bridges. There's obviously box girder bridges are a whole thing, but... Um, <laughs> That's maybe another episode. Uh, do more on structures at some other point, I'm sure. I did, we did a bit more structural engineering there than I planned to, actually. Anyway, enough of me waffling. Let's get rid of my face. Uh, to all the audio-only listeners, thank you so much. It was very fun having you. Um, uh, it was a, a pleasure, in fact, to, to have you along. Uh, hopefully this made some sense. I did draw some diagrams, but they, they weren't very good, so you haven't missed much. Um, people, by the way, have been leaving lovely reviews please do keep doing that. It's so nice. It's nice to read them, but also it's good for more people finding and listening to it. Um, and also, you, there, there's some nice reviews that specifically address the not nice review that I, I got about the person who was unhappy that we are a explicitly pro-trans um, uh, podcast. Uh, so um, that guy sucks. And uh, all of you subsequently um, uh, leaving reviews saying that it's nice that this is a, 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 a pro-trans podcast. Uh, I love you. You're lovely people. Anyway, move on. Uh, Patreon.com slash Gareth Dennis for the, for, for the support more of this happening um garethennis.co.uk slash merch for the merchandise uh garethennis.co.uk slash discord for the discord server where the chat continues ad infinitum 
And PayPal.me slash Gareth Dennis for uh, loose change, abuse, and, uh, you know, whatever else you want to want to do in there, you 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 dirty hogs. Um, next week. Oh, yeah. I forgot to do the next week bit. I, I'll tell you what, let's, let's, let, let's fix the next week bit by going... Um, uh, I can do this when we watch this. Uh, episode 198. I'm editing on the fly. Uh, let's just do this and that and uh, this. Uh, it's uh, going to be a Christmas surprise because um, I don't know what it is. <laughs> I don't know what it is yet. Um, Gareth, of course, is in very close proximity to the the, the Menai Strait Bridge, the Britannia Bridge, um, and is saying that uh, that uh, Gareth knows uh, some of the trustees of the Telford Centre in uh, Port Aythwy. Um, uh, uh, can, uh, sorry. Uh, can I introduce? Uh, so yes, please. Pro trans, pro trans, pro trains. All the good stuff. Yes, 100, episode 198. Who knows? Possibly with Emily. Possibly something ridiculous. I don't know, but it'll be Christmas. It'll be novelty, and it probably won't be too long, so that you all have you know your festive times. But uh, a live one on on Christmas proximity to Christmas. What a what a what is it? Boxing Day, day Christmas Eve. No. Boxing Eve? No, I don't know. What 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 do we call the day after Boxing Day? Anyway, I think that's when it'll be. Isn't it? Is it the 27th? I think so. Right. Enough of my waffling. <sighs> Shut up, Gareth. Right, let's let's close this out. All of you, have a lovely break, a lovely festive break. Enjoy your Christmases and your what-have-yous. Um, uh, enjoy the solstice. Um, I will see you all on the 27th. Um, you take great and good care of yourselves. Um drink plenty make sure you take as little care of your of your bodies well no do take care of your bodies but in a gluttonous way gluttony is is fine uh, just enjoy yourselves uh, take take a proper break put everything down rest and um and I'll see you in a bit it's going to be weird doing live ones anyway right ah <laughs> oh, dear me cheerio cheerio